0: A middle-aged pastor in a small farming community in the Midwest had been falsely accused. It was a vicious and scandalous story, and it swept through the town like a prairie fire. Have you heard about Pastor so-and-so? He should leave the ministry. Guess he had a lot of us fooled. You'd never think such a thing to look at him. After a period of time, the rumor was found out to be completely false. An ugly, empty rumor without any basis of fact. But the damage had been done. Many people in the town who believed the rumor were now reluctant to reverse their feelings. They thought there must be some truth to it. Sometime later, the couple who started the false tale came under conviction of sin and went to the pastor to apologize to him and to ask him for forgiveness. Of course, the pastor said, I will forgive you, he said gravely. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me, something that might be very strange at first. The couple was relieved that the pastor was willing to forgive them and they agreed to whatever he asked. Here's my request. I'd like you to go home and butcher one of your chickens. Pluck out all its feathers and put the feathers in a bag. It seemed strange to them what he was asking, but they agreed. Next, the pastor went on. I would like you to go through the town and at each corner scatter some of the feathers, just a few from the bag, and then please take the remaining feathers and climb to the top Of the old city water tower, you know, the one by the feed store, and scatter the rest of them to the wind. Could you do those things? Well, they were mystified at this point, but they nodded in the affirmative once again. Fine, the pastor said. The couple stood up to leave, but as they reached the door, he suddenly called back to them. And after you've finished scattering all the feathers, I'd just like you to go back through the town and gather them all up again. Pick up every one that you've dropped, every one that you've scattered to the wind, and put them all back in the bag. Be careful that none of the feathers are missing and bring the bag back to me. Could you do that for me? The couple just looked at him and exclaimed, That's impossible. The wind will have blown them all over the three counties by then. The pastor didn't say a word. And slowly, the truth of his word picture began to dawn on this couple. And they hung their heads. Yes, they could be forgiven of their actions, but no one could undo the damage they had done by scattering the false, slanderous words. That's an illustration that I used in a sermon that I preached back in 2001 on the ninth commandment. It illustrates the damage gossip and slander can bring to a person's reputation. And today I'm taking a slight detour from continuing on in our series in 2 Timothy to focus on the sin of gossip and slander. And the reason for this is I believe the devil has been attacking our church by tempting us in these areas. And it really isn't much of a detour from our study in 2 Timothy because Paul addresses this concern about these temptations and sins in the Ephesian church in 1 Timothy. And therefore, my text for today, which I'll use as a springboard to study this topic, is 1 Timothy 5 13 and 14. Now the context for 1 Timothy is Paul wants to give Timothy the structure and organization of the church and how the church ought to behave with one another. And in chapter 5, Paul gives instructions and rules on how widows are to be cared for by the church There were a significant number of widows in the church and they had limited resources to care for them and so Paul gives them some principles they were to follow. For a widow to be on the list to receive assistance from the church, she had to be at least 60 years old and had to have a good reputation being godly and a servant. And he points out that some of the younger widows of the church had abandoned their faith by marrying non-believers, and others were creating problems in the church. And he says in our text today, if you look at that text, verse 13 and 14, this is the Word of God, besides that, they learned to be idlers, going about from house to house, And not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Thus far the reading of his word. So some of these younger widows were lazy, idle, and they were going around to different households and they were gossiping about things that they had heard. That they should not have repeated. But they repeated these things anyway. And they were giving others and the devil an occasion for slander to spread in the church. Now, the sin of gossip and slander is not an exclusive temptation to young widows. That's just what this group at the time was guilty of in the Ephesian church. Gossip and slander are temptations all of us have to fight. And it's especially tempting when we are idle, when we're not focusing on the work and ministry that God has given to us. So Paul singles out these sins because they are some of the most destructive and damaging to the peace and unity of the church. And so the first point that we see from God's word is that gossip and slander are forbidden in the ninth commandment. We read the Ten Commandments this morning, and the Ninth Commandment in Exodus 20, 16 says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Bearing false witness is also referred to as one of the seven deadly sins from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. As Solomon lists the sins that God hates, that are abomination to him. The final two sins, he says in verse 19, are a false witness who breathes out lies and the one who sows discord among brothers. We read from the larger catechism question 144 on what it means to fulfill the ninth commandment. And one of those things is to discourage gossips Flatterers and slanders. And in Paul's introduction to the letter of Romans, he describes the nature of the ungodly and the unrighteous that God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts. And he describes the sexual sins that follow this depravity. And then he says, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And then he lists Those things that ought not to be done in verses 29 and 31. And two of those things are they are gossips, slanderers. The second point that we see from God's word is to answer the question what is the origin of these sins? Jesus taught this very clearly in Matthew 15, verse 18 and 19, when he said, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Unfortunately, pretty much everything an unregenerate person, a non-Christian does, out of rebellion against God from an unregenerate evil heart, a believer can succumb to as well. Yes, we have new hearts in Christ, but we're still capable of being deceived and influenced by the old ways of the sinful nature, the world, and the devil. The third point I want us to see from God's Word is the answer to what are the definitions of gossip and slander. The sin of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of bad motives from the heart. The Hebrew word translated gossip in the Old Testament is defined as one who reveals secrets, one who goes about as a tale-bearer, a scandal-monger. By definition, gossip occurs only when the subject of the story is not present. Gossip is clandestine, hidden, stealthy. The English Standard Version often names a gossiper in the Old Testament as a whisperer, which emphasizes the secret nature of, of this sin. Proverbs eleven thirteen 13 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A gossiper is someone who has Privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. Gossip is distinguished from sharing information in two ways. First, the intent. Gossipers often have the goal of building themselves up, making others look bad, and exalting themselves. Secondly, the type of information that is shared. Gossipers speak of the faults and failings of others or reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge and approval. We can deceive ourselves in thinking that we are just sharing in order to do some good, but we really are getting pleasure out of sharing negative news and wanting a negative reaction. The term busybody is associated with gossip in the text that I read from 1 Timothy 5. Busybody means an excessive interest in the affairs of others, often not our business. It's savoring that you know something somebody else does not know. And so pride is often the root of gossip. Why is gossip so tempting? Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Why do we love gossip? Why do we love to share it? Well, Proverbs says it's like delicious morsels. Tasty treats that promise delight to those who indulge. Gossiping can be fun. Addictive and provide a short burst of guilty pleasure. We get bored and we want to entertain ourselves by snacking on the shameful stories of other people's lives. Proverbs 16.28 says, A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates good friends. We have to realize what gossip does. It's an affront to relationships. It's an affront to the community, the family of believers. Because our relationships are built on grace. Our common love for Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit dwelt, they're built upon loving trust with one another. And many friendships have been ruined over a misunderstanding that started with gossip. Those engage in this kind of behavior do nothing but stir up trouble and cause anger and bitterness and pain among friends. And when we're confronted with our gossip, we can deny the allegations and answer with excuses and rationalizations. I'm just sharing a concern. Rather than admit wrongdoing, we can blame someone else or attempt to minimize the seriousness of sin. But let's look also at gossip's cousin. Point B, the sin of slander. Many of you have read about Mephibosheth in the Bible. He was Saul's grandson and Jonathan's son. He fell, apparently, some time when he was a baby and became lame in both his legs. David was kind to him after Jonathan died and gave him land and invited him to eat at his table like one of his own sons. Mephibosheth had a servant by the name of Ziba. Now, when David's son, Absalom, staged a coup to take over his father's kingdom, David had to flee Jerusalem. But Mephibosheth curiously stayed behind in Jerusalem. Later, Ziba came to David on a donkey and brought other donkeys with him with a great number of supplies to provide for his people, his troops that left Jerusalem. And David asked him, where is Mephibosheth? Well, Ziba gave a bad report about Mephibosheth, telling David that he was a traitor and they wanted to give back David's kingdom to Absalom. Well, David then gave all that belonged to Mephibosheth to Ziba. But after Absalom was killed and David returned to Jerusalem, Mephibosheth came to meet David. And David asked him why he did not go with him when he had to flee. Mephibosheth then told the true story of how he wanted to go and be with David. But Ziba took all the donkeys And instead had deceived him and left him there helpless because he was lame. And he took many of the goods to give to David to get into David's good graces. Mephibosheth said to David, Ziba has slandered your servant to my lord the king. Slander is a form of gossip about something bad someone has supposedly done which is unverified hearsay or that you know is false. And slander occurs when someone says something untrue about someone else that results in damaging that person's reputation. And when it occurs, it becomes divisive. It often affects numerous people in our text in 1 Timothy chapter 5 these certain young widows who were idle and busybodies they spread gossip house to house and the devil used this to spread slander people twisted what they heard and it became slanderous and because of its poisonous power it is one of the adversary's chief strategies to divide relationships within the church to derail the mission of the church the net effect of all forms of slander is to unjustly devalue another person's reputation and like that illustration that I used at the beginning of the sermon you can never collect all the feathers of slander The effect that it has on listeners is to leave them with an unfairly negative perception of another person. In the third commandment, God tells us to not misuse His name. And that's because His name represents His character. We are to consider His name holy. And in the ninth commandment, God is also concerned about us not misrepresenting our neighbor. And that's why if a person is accused of something, it requires at least two witnesses to verify that someone has done something wrong. In Deuteronomy chapter 19.15, it says a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17, it says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Therefore, the need for at least two witnesses. Not bearing false witness also deals with other kinds of lying and preserving the reputation and good name of our neighbor. Gossip And slander take away from the good nature, or or the good name rather, of our neighbor. Martin Luther said, reputation is something quickly stolen, but not quickly restored. So when we receive a slanderous word about someone, it's rendering a judgment without further investigation. Slander can be outright lies or slightly miscommunicating what someone has said to make it sound worse or exactly the opposite of what was intended. The fourth point that we see from God's Word is the answer to the question, how are we to respond to gossip or slander? First, we must ask the Lord to reveal the sins that we don't easily see in ourselves and to put them away. Gossip and slander is something in my opinion and my experience that we are often unaware of in ourselves and so we must ask the Lord as David asked God in Psalm 139 23 and 24 search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting we ought to be praying frequently that God would help us to control our tongue, that we would watch over the things that we say. Ask other trusted believers to keep you accountable and give them permission to point out gossip or slander in you. And then when God convicts us of these sins, we're told in Ephesians four thirty-one, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Colossians 3.8 says this, 1 Peter 2.1 says this, if we've been guilty of slander or gossip, we're told, once we recognize it, to put it away. Put these sins away. Well, how do we do that? Well, the second sub-point, point B here, is that this is only possible for believers. You see, the Bible tells us that mankind is naturally a slave to sin because we are born with a sinful heart, a sinful nature. And this was inherited by the first man, Adam, who rebelled against God. And because of this sin nature, we actively rebel against his commandments. And we're often blind to the depth of our own sin. God shows us in his word that he is holy and he is just. He demands perfect obedience to all his commandments, not just in our words, and our deeds, but in our thoughts. And we fall miserably short of keeping his commandments. And therefore, we cannot have fellowship with a holy God, with our own righteousness. And furthermore, God tells us that He requires justice. He must punish every sin against His commandment. He can't look the other way and ignore our sin. We amass a great debt by the sins that we commit against His commandments. And we cannot repay that debt. And God will require that debt to be paid in hell. But... The good news is that God in His mercy and love decided to give us the righteousness that He requires and to atone for our sins. And He planned to do this by the sending of His Son, the second person of the Trinity, who came to this world and became a man, a perfect man, and yet remaining God. And why did He come? To be our substitute, to fulfill the commandments on our behalf, and then to take on the debt of our sins upon his body and receive the judgment that we deserved, to receive the hell that we deserved through his suffering and bleeding and death on the cross. And the third day he rose again from the dead, proving who he was Declaring that he had victory over sin and death and the devil for us. And also showing that God the Father accepted his works and his sacrifice for the salvation of his people. And so the good news is that God chooses to regenerate his people. To give them faith and repentance in Christ. So whoever believes in him and what he did for their salvation and surrenders their heart to his lordship are declared righteous and forgiven of all their lifetime of sins. And this is a result of God giving His people a new heart, a new nature, uniting them to Christ, giving them the Holy Spirit. And it's with this new heart that believers can discern sin and turn from sin and seek to do what is right. And so, all the commands in the New Testament to put off gossip and slander are in the context of believers being convicted of their sins because they are new creatures in Christ and they have the power to put away these sins, to repent of these sins and replace them with righteous words and righteous deeds. And this is done by God using His Word to instruct our hearts See, we succumb to sin in our lives because we often are not dwelling on God's Word. We often are not looking to Christ and who we are in Christ. We sometimes gossip, sometimes slander in an attempt to justify ourselves or to build ourselves up at the expense of others. But when you're walking in the Gospel and who you are in Christ, you don't have to do that. You have the ability to resist that sin. James 4, 1, 4.11 says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The third sub-point here, these sins that others commit can very easily cause us to sin. In his book, Lectures to My Students, Charles Spurgeon says this, remember that as the receiver is as bad as the thief So the hearer of scandal is a sharer in the guilt of it. If there were no listening ears, there would be no tail-bearing tongues. While you are a buyer of ill wares, the demand will create the supply, and the factories of falsehood will be working full-time. No one wishes to become a creator of lies, and yet he who hears slanders with pleasure and believes them with readiness will hatch many a brood into active life. What should we do when we hear gossip or slander? We should not remain passive. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. We should say to The person who is gossiping before us or slandering someone before us, we should say in love, I believe that you shouldn't be saying those things. Because it sounds like you're gossiping or you're slandering. We should say, hey, I'm no better than you are. I'm not holy or more righteous than you are. I have the same problem, the same temptation. And that's why we need each other to keep one another accountable, to call each other to repentance. And you might also say, it sounds to me like you might need to talk to this person that you're holding a grudge toward, that you're sharing about. And I'll pray for you to go to that person. And also, I'll be glad the second time, if needed, to go with you. See, we need to remind each other of what Jesus has told us in Matthew 18 verse 15 through 18. If your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you you have gained your brother but if he does not listen take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to witness to them tell it to the church. So much of our issues with one another, our conflicts with one another could be resolved if we just deal with one another and our problems with one another according to Jesus' principles. And so if you have failed to respond to someone who has gossiped or slandered someone with these principles, then ask the Lord for forgiveness and go to that person who has gossiped or slandered and confront them in love. If you have repeatedly confronted someone who continues to gossip and slander in this way, but they're not willing to change, then take another believer with you to confront their sin with gentleness and humility and love. And it's also not good to hang around a person who is not repentant, of these sins. As Proverbs 20:19 says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Gossip arises when something has gone wrong with us in the worshipping core of our being, our hearts. Proverbs 4:23 says, "Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life." Proverbs 20 verse 5 says the purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out. We're to watch over our hearts and therefore the most important question we need to be asking ourselves is why? Why do I want to listen to gossip or slander? Why do I want to gossip and slander? Because it's a problem of the heart and often we are looking to something other than Christ for our fulfillment and satisfaction and that's how we fall into sins. When our hearts are focused on Christ and our union with Him and the grace that we have in Him, the springs of life flow out of us and control our tongues. Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their tongues keep themselves from calamity. When the love of God fills our hearts, we will have his love toward others. Describe for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Do we immediately presume the person's innocence or the person's guilt we should assume innocence until all the facts are sorted out how quickly someone's rep- reputation honor and name can be destroyed by false rumors we must reject the bad news and believe the best in others until there is proof first timothy 5:19 says do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. This isn't just true for elders but for all. Jesus said in Matthew 12:36, "We will give an account for every careless word that we have spoken." Thankfully, the motivation of a believer can be good and loving. Jesus never gossiped. He never slandered anyone. And Christ also empowers us to speak edifying words that give grace to our listeners and and that redirects conversations away from gossip. Ephesians 4, 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The good news is that we don't have to gossip. We don't have to slander. But we have all been guilty of doing these things and breaking the other nine commandments as well from our hearts. But there is mercy. There is forgiveness in Christ for all of our sins as we look to Christ and His work for our forgiveness and our righteousness. Not only can you be forgiven of having indulged in these sins in your past, but by faith, through grace, believers are found in Christ. Our standing in His gossip-free righteousness is forever. Jesus Himself bore all our gossip sins in His body, on the tree. He died the death our gossip deserved. And what's more, the feast of the gospel provides us with greater and more precious promises than anything the poisonous fare of gossip has to offer. We partake of the divine nature of Christ and therefore we can escape the corruption from our sinful desires. The gospel furnishes us with the resources that we need to resist gossip in real time. With every temptation to gossip or slander, God provides a way of escape through the promises of His grace. I started this sermon stating that I believe the devil has sometimes tempted us to do his bidding by succumbing to gossip or slander, either committing it yourselves or, or listening to it and doing nothing about it. We've all been guilty of that at different times. And the devil has tried to use this time of our planning for finding a new senior pastor and some of the mistakes that we've made and the sins that we've committed to breed gossip and slander and dissension. Whispering fuels the flames of controversy. Proverbs 26, 20 says this, for lack of wood and fire, for lack of wood, the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. God has given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Let us pray and have a new resolve to not give the devil wood for the fire of dissension and disunity, but respond appropriately to the temptation To sin in gossip and slander. To put it off. But at the same time, to put on Christ. And to ask the Lord to use our tongues to build one another up. To promote unity and peace and love. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we're all guilty of breaking all your commandments. And this ninth commandment as well. Forgive us. Show us our sin, Lord, and give us a renewed desire to repent of our sins and and to look to the gospel for our forgiveness and our righteousness in Christ, and to look to who we are in Christ and the power we have in your spirit to be used by you as instruments to promote unity and peace and love and grace in our conversations and in our works.